0: Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers.
1: Hello and welcome to What The Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga.
0: We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under very close inspection. I'm Chloe.
1: And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter 16 of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Morning.
0: Yeah, hello. It is morning. It is. It is. Yeah, you're not lying. Not lying to all our listeners.
1: Heaven forbid. They don't know. They don't know who we really are. <laughs> we could be anyone. It's warm. It's so hot. It's interesting having a dog because something that I now do because it's summertime is I check the weather, not just for the weather, but for the temperature to see when it's going to be too hot to walk the dog. And when it's getting later and later in the day, I walk out into my garden and put my hand on a paving slab to see how long I can hold my hand there to see whether it's suitable for the dog to walk.
0: Wow, the life you lead. That's very good. It's a lot of care. I'm really glad you're that kind of person, but bloody hell.
1: And I'd never really thought about this.
0: Yeah, Mr G is hot all the time, bless him, so he just sleeps. But then cats love sunlight, so he'll sleep in the sunlight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're your own worst enemy.
1: But it's the same with Keanu, because he's got a white face. <laughs> I've had to put sun cream on his nose. Aww. Because he'll lie in the sun, and you can see under his white fur at the end of his nose, he, he'll go pink.
0: That's really cute.
1: It is, but stupid as well, and come inside. <laughs>
0: To be fair, that's me. Like, I really shouldn't be allowed to be out in the sun with my complexion, but I'm always on the rooftop like, yes, burn me!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whereas I am always covered in Factor 50 sat inside.
0: Okay, so chapter 16, Corrine or Corinne?
1: Corrine, I believe it's Corrine, it's French.
0: Okay, so the plot, are you ready?
1: Yeah, I mean, this Sunday just won't quit, will it? No, it will never end. We're still on Sunday the 20th of March, I think this might be the most chapters we've spent on one day so far.
0: Well, okay. Edith takes Beau to Corrine's office. Corrine is inside, reading at her desk. Edith shows Beau the pretty pictures on the wall. Corrine has to leave for the hospital, so Edith continues telling Beau Corrine's history. Edith takes Beau upstairs after explaining Corrine's history and explains her few years spent away from Corrine. We arrive at Edith's room. Edith pounces on Beau, literally. Archie and Jessamine enter Edith's room and they discuss playing baseball as there will be a thunderstorm later. Beau is invited to tag along. and that's it that's it that's all that happens it's not a lot and it's funny for a chapter titled corinne or corinne or whoever the fuck she is she's hardly in it
1: hmm good point
0: maybe she just can't stand being around edith and Bay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've said last time they are getting strange they are they are becoming that couple in the corner of the party who you're like give them a wide berth <laughs>
0: So, good thing about this chapter is we get confirmation that Corinne swam to France. People swim the channel all the time, Bo. Yeah. And I just would like to reiterate that yes, we English folk do it all the time, all the it's time. the only way to travel
1: when we last spoke about this moment we were still not sure whether or not we would be brexiting and now i mean have we are we we're in some kind of halfway place i uh, i don't know the uk is a
0: a shambles yeah it's an utter shambles i am so angry to be english <laughs>
1: Once upon a time, I would have been nervous to say that kind of thing in case it was controversial. Now, I'm not even sure it's controversial to say. On an international scale, it's quite embarrassing to be English right now.
0: I would be worried if people aren't saying it.
1: Oh, there are people who are not saying that.
0: Yeah, but I'm not their friend.
1: As a child, we're, you're kind of raised in the myth.
0: Being so proud. Well, of
1: Great Britain. What kind of a country is called Great Britain?
0: We're not even Britain anymore. We are England and I want to get out. <laughs>
1: I'd like to get off.
0: Stop the ride, please. I'm going to be sick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Does your question, your burning question, have anything to do with food? No. No, okay.
0: Oh, ooh. No. What kind of food?
1: Depriving yourself of food? No. No? Okay, so I have a little question for you. I genuinely can't remember if we've ever covered this on this podcast before, but it's kind of like a mini burning question, like a little like... Flicker. Yeah. So Corrine, when she woke up as a vampire, she was so disgusted by what she was.
0: Well, she's English. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So she tries to kill herself and it's very hard if you're a vampire to kill yourself because there's only very few ways that you can die. And just something that caught my eye is that she was so repelled by herself that she had the strength to try to kill herself with starvation. What happens when a vampire stops eating?
0: Do you think there's like some... The acid from the bowels and the stomach and the venom just start bubbling away and it really hurts?
1: Now wait, you said acid from the bowels and the stomach. Do they have all that? Because they don't...
0: Stomach has acid.
1: A stomach has acid, but does a vampire... We're getting into vampire biology here. But remember, if they don't poop, they only hack up anything that they accidentally swallow. Yeah.
0: This is why it needs to have acid. Wait a
1: minute. Now you're retconning your own... No, because with vomit
0: there is acid.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, right. I'd never really pictured vomit. I pictured like whole chunks of pizza being coughed up.
0: Oh, I see. I feel like there's a burning acidic sensation going on in the stomach because there's nothing in there. And the venom maybe gets stronger and toxic. There's like some bubbling away.
1: But it doesn't kill them. So you're describing like a frothing at the mouth.
0: Frothing in the insides. Oh, okay. That's how I think, yeah. And I think it's just so painful that you do just need to eat.
1: So you'd just be living in constant pain?
0: Yeah, but obviously you can't die from it.
1: Does it change them physically? Do they lose weight?
0: No, I don't think so. Because you're your most beautiful, aren't you? When you're a vampire and you are unchanged. Your hair doesn't change, your weight doesn't change.
1: Wow, so you just look exactly the same.
0: (laughs) You look amazing, but you feel... (laughs) At your absolute worst.
1: I can relate. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's my every day.
1: And then after the whole Swam to France thing, and Bo's like, Swam to France! France. (laughs) And then uh, Bo says, I won't interrupt again, I promise. And Edith says, well, because we don't need to breathe. And he's like, what? And Edith is like, no, no, no. Like, I can't get into answering all your questions. You promised you weren't going to ask any more. And she says, do you want to hear the story or not? And I thought that that might have been Stephanie Meyer's message to us.
0: <gasps> wow. A little
1: peek behind the curtain there. I really felt I saw her that is saying, fascinating. do you want to hear the story or not? Stop with your annoying bitchy questions.
0: <laughs> we get a reference to the Voltori, but they are not called the Voltori in this chapter, but we know who they are. Nighttime patrons of the arts.
1: Patron.
0: Mm.
1: Patron implies like giving money.
0: Yes, but I think. That might be true.
1: The arts.
0: Well, they're very cultured and educated and they love... Yeah, but we
1: don't get this information. I mean, we get this comment in Twilight, but I'm just thinking in later novels of the Twilight Saga, when we really get more info on the Volturi, I would have liked to known about what art scholarships they were providing for students around the world. They were probably doing (laughs) a lot, actually.
0: So we've got different names... Apart from Marcus. So Marcus has remained the same and so has Phil. So I think we have found our two characters that are unchanged.
1: Because what we had in the foreword from Maya, she said, The second exception is very small, just a few background characters mentioned only twice. So it depends what a few means, whether that means literally two or more. The reason for this exception is my misplaced sense of justice for fictional people. There were two characters in the wider Twilight universe who really got the shaft in an ongoing sense. So instead of doing a swap with these characters, I gave them a coup. I don't think that can be about Phil.
0: Well, true, true.
1: The three main rulers of the vampire world we're given here are, I'm going to say... Sulpicia. Yes. Marcus is nice and easy for us lazy brides. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Athena Dora?
0: And then we also have a servant. Yeah. Melee?
1: Melee Mele.
0: or she's known as Sulpicia's little thief,
1: on her knees clinging to the other woman's skirts, the woman with the elaborate black curls. So that must be Sulpicia.
0: Who is we think is Aro.
1: Based on the order that they're named and the description, Marcus obviously seems to be unchanged. Sulpicia seems to be Aro and Athena Dora is blonde, so... Caius.
0: But it doesn't make any sense! It's
1: very confusing and I think we will get more information on them. I mean, I know we've said before, we know that this book does end differently. I don't know exactly what happens... I could make my guesses, but I want to leave it. But it has killed me not googling these names. I really hope that the Vulturi come to forks in this novel. Yeah. I want to have Bo's first-hand description of them. The Vulturi are one of the most interesting elements of the Twilight Saga.
0: Yeah, and she just never did enough with them.
1: No. So then it's through her travels that Corrine becomes essentially a doctor, but she can't because she's a woman. Well, so. she
0: was a nurse first and then had to fix all the doctors.
1: <laughs> Imagine an intelligent woman behind the scenes doing all the jobs that the incompetent men can't do, but getting no credit for it. Ah, fiction. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> It's exactly the same as Carlyle, but she sees this as her calling and her penance. She is entirely a victim in this story. Carlisle was innocent. He did try and talk his dad out of doing the more extreme things and particularly hurting all the innocent people he did on on his witch hunts. But ultimately, Carlisle was part of the party hunting the vampire when he was bitten and turned. Whereas Corrine is used only to hurt her father. Why does Corrine... Feel the need for penance.
0: Because she has religion in her life. And there it is. There it is.
1: (laughs) But it's just interesting because it's a big part of the Edith Edward character as well. It's just so fundamental to these characters, this inbuilt guilt.
0: Well, I mean, look at the author. And also, to be fair, think of the time that both Corinne and Edith were turned. Religion was a very big factor in society. Sure,
1: sure. but character-wise, I just don't necessarily believe it i mean i guess i believe guilt isn't always logical so i maybe believe that she has these feelings of guilt but to dedicate hundreds of years on the basis of trying to do your penance you would need to have done something to inspire that Corrine literally did nothing in this story the first thing that i can see that Corrine ever did wrong was turn edith exactly And at that point, Edith hadn't done anything wrong until she went all vigilante. And um, shall we talk about that next? Because yeah, is that wrong?
0: This is the thing. I was like, wow. The whole theme that we've been talking about is superheroes. And we are saying, use your powers for good. Mm -hmm. And Edith was as Edward was. And then they just thought, nah, I'm a bad person for doing this. No, you're fucking not.
1: It's... Complex, isn't it?
0: It is. It's like the death penalty in America. You know, that question that you would always get in uh, schools
1: Is it morally? Is it ethically right?
0: Isn't every life precious? Should we not? But then,
1: okay, so we're talking purely in fiction here because I think in reality, the reason I personally would often lean towards a no for the death penalty is that we do not have a justice system in the world that is completely foolproof and that is going to be right 100% of the time. Yeah. And it is racist and biased all the time. It would be abused. I completely agree. It is abused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here in this fictional instance with Edith, she is witnessing... A crime taking place.
0: And she can hear what's going to happen.
1: Oh, exactly. She has that extra information. It's the whole premise of the show Dexter, isn't it? Yes. If you have absolute certainty that this person is intending to harm people, is it so wrong to just neutralise that threat? I just, no.
0: If you are a rapist, you deserve bad things to happen to you. If you are a murderer, you deserve bad things to happen to you.
1: To give credit that maybe Smire doesn't deserve. It's crunchy.
0: I mean, can we really give her credit? Because she does it to be like, oh, look how good Edith slash Edward is. But then she takes it away. Does
1: she? Or is it just to provide this tortured thing of like, I've got this guilt for all these lives I've ended, but then she doesn't have the courage to make this character
0: not feel guilty. Do
1: you remember when we started discussing Twilight, I just started watching the show Angel, and I said I think Stephanie Meyer was inspired by the character of Angel when she wrote Edward. There's too much there for him not to have been inspired by Angel. The thing is with Angel is that Angel, it was obviously a totally different mythology when it comes to vampirism, but he didn't have a soul killed and tortured a load of innocent people. We see him on Buffy killing innocent people, killing main characters who are trying to do good. And then he magically gets a soul and then has to live with all of the guilt of what he did. Whereas Edith does not have any of this like soul, no soul thing. There isn't this flip or this difference where she is a good person versus a truly evil person so she was the same person making a different choice and now she is the same person making this choice on the one hand it's more interesting because it's her making the choices she is in the driver's seat the whole time but on the other hand you couldn't go all the way and make her fully evil you had to just have her killing bad guys
0: yeah which is fine because this is what I'm saying. If she's going to be a superhero, be a fucking superhero. Mm. But she feels guilty for doing that. And you're like, well, then why give her such power if she can't handle it? She
1: was doing more good then.
0: Yeah, than she is now by dating Bo. We have begged Stephanie Meyer to make them superheroes. We get a little ounce of that and then she goes, no. So then we arrive at Edith's room. There is a deep black leather sofa.
1: In my comparison to Twilight, I noted that this room is described in exactly the same way. There is no difference to the way that Edith chooses to decorate her living space compared to Edward. I appreciate that her western wall was covered with shelf after shelf of cds so pointless like when she could have the technology to store all of that on one computer even in 2005 she could have done that but then in the year of our lord 2020 i'm still buying dvds so
0: i still have my ipod nano
1: yeah but then that's not taking up all that space. Like an entire wall of CDs.
0: It's important to have your own personal library, but I I understand that the CDs is quite a lot. And also if you think about how old she is, the CD hasn't been around that long.
1: No, it's true actually. comparatively
0: to how to how old she is, well the 80s maybe no 80s it was cassette tape still so it was the 90s she said maybe two decades to get the cd collection do you think she's listened to all of these cds
1: i do and the reason i do is because she has organized them all by year and then by personal preference within that year yeah that is a lot of time now i have to admit my DVDs are organised in alphabetical order.
0: Is it okay that my books aren't? My books, each shelf has a different
1: genre. Okay, genre. So then on that shelf, how do you decide which book goes next to which? Or is it just random? Oh, uh, it's
0: just random. Okay. I don't have the time. But...
1: <laughs> and this is my point. And I know that she is having to sit alone in her bedroom while her whole family bangs, but still. <laughs>
0: well, she's crying I... <laughs> to
1: Claire de Lune. <laughs>
0: fuck, and we've said it before, but why the fuck does Edith purr? <laughs> she isn't pussy galore. She's
1: like... so weird. <laughs> she's so weird. But this is after she's growled, which I just underlined yeah. and put Nope. <laughs>
0: absolutely
1: not as he can see that she's going to jump at him she like is half crouched with her back stretched like a cat tense to pounce and then she goes and purrs but i just want to say that in the same phrase in twilight edward is a lion yeah Why isn't she a lion, Stephanie? She does not need to purr. The only human being that I think has unlimited license to purr is Eartha Kitt.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Because she
1: can do pretty much anything she wants. But especially purr. If you're not Eartha Kit.
0: Don't do it.
1: If you've been wandering around just purring willy-nilly, <laughs> this is your warning. Stop.
0: So, my best bit, I'm going to say it oh, now... okay. ...is when Archie comes into the room. Okay. Because I just think there's a little bit of sexual tension.
1: Between who? Uh, I
0: don't know.
1: Oh, <laughs> just generally. I
0: think it might be Archie, Edith and Beau. Because Archie strolls in flies in whatever
1: we assume that he's put clothes on since he was in the foyer
0: oh, i wouldn't assume now <laughs> <laughs> uh, jessamine stays in the doorway and archie sits cross-legged so gracefully it sounded like you were having both for lunch archie said and we came to see if you would share Ooh! <laughs> i mean Yeah, And Edith is like, I'm not one for sharing. And I'm like, okay, Mm. this time. We'll see. Archie's been a bit promiscuous towards Beau. And I know it's the same kind of thing that Alice was to Bella. But because the gender is reversed, it's like, come on. I want it more. Oh, as in,
1: right, (laughs) you want it more, not... Right, okay. I was about to say, I think that's just us seeing that. Because if anything, culturally, you're more likely to have in media... I'm not saying that this is factually correct, but culturally, we are more likely to see two women flirting with each other because the patriarchy approves. (laughs) If there's no penis involved, no harm done.
0: Yeah, it approves you flirting, but it doesn't actually approve you having a relationship.
1: No, no, not having any of those pesky rights. But... (laughs) You know, a little bit of a slap and tickle. All good between friends.
0: Oh, a slap and a tickle. Whereas Ooh. the boys
1: don't get to do that.
0: I think I'd want a tickle than a slap. Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Just remembered something? <laughs> <laughs> no, not remembering. Imagining. Trying to imagine which I would want first. I, right. As
0: long as it's not on my face. <laughs>
1: <like>. <laughs> not the face.
0: Not the face,
1: but... I think I would rather a slap than a tickle.
0: No, because tickles make me more uncomfortable than a slap. Exactly.
1: Is. So I'd rather just slap and tickle, hold the tickle.
0: Ah, see, I'd rather... Because you have to have both. Do you, have, you to have, the both. have to yes, have, yes. have both? tickle up. Yes, you have... Don't you
1: make have me have both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> want your buy one, get one free slap and tickle. <laughs> I would like to... You have to do no. it. No.
0: You have to get the skin all tingly and like... Oh. <laughs> and then you get the slap and you're like... Oh. <laughs> and Archie is the
1: slap (laughs) I'm going to tell you now I'd much rather be tickled by Archie and slapped by Jessamine to be honest I feel like if you're looking to get slapped Jessamine is going to do it properly
0: (laughs) that's true might draw a little bit of blood
1: (laughs) but you'd still come back for more You've already told me your favourite part. Yes, I have. And it's Archie's slap and tickle.
0: I've actually put down Archie's behaviour in Edith's boudoir. Cheeky. Oh. (laughs) That's my best bit.
1: What's your worst bit?
0: My worst bit is Corrine hardly being in the chapter named after her.
1: That is a great point. Thank you. I wish I thought of that earlier.
0: <laughs> What's you? Tell me you. What's me?
1: <laughs> my best bit. Do you want best bit or worst bit?
0: No, worst bit. Hit me with your worst bit first.
1: My worst bit is the growl.
0: Ah, uh, not the purr.
1: I hadn't thought of the purr, though the purr... <laughs>
0: Look, would you rather he growled at you or he purred at you? Oh
1: my god, it's such a good point. <laughs> I'm just going to say any feline behaviour is not acceptable. It's barely acceptable when a cat does it. Oh my God, tell me about it.
0: Fucking Mr G would not stop meowing last night. I could not sleep. And at six o'clock this morning, I fed him to shut him up. And then at seven o'clock in the morning, he came into my room and sat on my chest and looked at (laughs) me for an hour.
1: (laughs) my best bit yes it's hard to say because we don't have much more but i think it's the new Volturi. i will say that if we're doing a gender flipped version and i don't get a really good reason as to why marcus is still a man yeah that's not okay but they have added this extra character of Melee? Melee?
0: Me- meal. <laughs>
1: the Yeah, we're not sure. So, to be, anyway, there's just some lots of really interesting, like, promise. Just the tease of some new exciting story. Hit me with your burning question. Sizzle me, scorch me.
0: Ooh, okay. Have Edith and Archie shared before?
1: (laughs) When I asked you if this question was anything to do with food and you said, what kind of food? (laughs) Uh...
0: (laughs) Look, it's technically not incest.
1: No, 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 no. That's not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to think if there's anything in the book that's going to disprove what I'm about to say. But... Hmm... Yes. Yes! My only problem with this is that the way that Edith has been torturing her family because she's so alone. But then maybe that makes it even worse. Archie and Jessamine's relationship is definitely an open one. Jessamine is really into just feeding off the emotional energy in the room while Archie is exploring with other people, couples, groups... Theatre companies, circus troops, (laughs) army battalions. And I think they have at times tried to get Edith to lighten up by joining in. They've tried, but Edith was just a massive downer and was eventually told to just go to her room because she was spoiling the mood. Even Jessamine couldn't fix it. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for chapter 16 of Life and Death. Join us next time for chapter 17. The Game.
0: You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to What The Forks, wherever you listen.
1: Until next time, take care.
0: And remember, only Eartha Kitt has
1: license to purr.